This episode is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. If you're looking for a superhero-themed mobile game, look no further. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Your goal is to power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes like Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. The game is currently celebrating its 6 year anniversary, and they're letting new users in on the celebration by providing free stuff, courtesy of our unique link in the show notes. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses, and if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all of the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code, so new users can follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Thanks to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc hello everyone and welcome to slash film daily today is monday november 20th 2023 on today's episode of the show we're going to be talking about some box office news my name is ben pearson i'm an editor at slashfilm.com and i'm joined on today's episode by slash film staff writer and box office analyst ryan scott hey everyone how's it going all right, Brian, uh, you are traveling, so your audio may sound slightly different to regular listeners. Uh, if there's any sort of problems with that, I apologize in advance to, to the folks who are listening, but I just wanted to mention that up top. But um, let's dive into the box office, Ryan. And I think, unfortunately, we need to start with the Marvels, because uh, if anyone was hoping that a bad situation last week might improve this past weekend, uh, they did not get their wish. Tell me about that. Yeah, so look, I want to be clear up top, like there's been a lot of a lot of people really like this movie. And I think that stands in stark contrast to some of the comic book movies that have suffered fates like this in the past. So I want to be make it very clear. I'm not here to pick on this movie. I root for pretty much any movie that does not have evil intentions to succeed. Let's be very clear about that. Um, But this is a very bad situation. It has gotten much worse. And we are now in a situation where uh, as uh, uh, Scott Mendelson pointed out over the weekend on Twitter, I literally cannot think of a situation where a movie, uh, a sequel to a successful movie has made less money. Um, it is, it is genuinely like unprecedented territory. So not, uh, not made less money than the original to be clear, but made less money than the Marvels has like the, this particular disparity is so great. That's what you're saying, right? Or that's, that's exactly saying. what I'm saying. Like not like less money than the original. Cause that happens all the time, but I'm talking yep. like, you know, his example was like Alice through the looking glass, which made like a little less than 300 million worldwide against a movie that made a billion dollars. 
And Which was Tim just, Burton's, uh, what was that 2010 adaptation? Yeah, of- 2010. And that was when movies did not make a billion dollars. Like that was just unheard of. So uh, let's, let's go over the situation here real quick. So the Marvels opened last week and we talked a lot about that. Uh, $46.1 million opening, which was the lowest, already the lowest MCU opening ever. Now, what helped is that my social media feeds were filled with nothing but positivity. Yes, there you're going to have your YouTubers and whatever, but like I, people seem to really like this movie. It's got a, uh, I think a B plus cinema score, which is okay. A 92% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes, I think, which is really good. Um, but this weekend was absolutely crowded. We'll get into that in a second uh, w- with uh, several new releases also hitting theaters. All of that resulted in the Marvels collapsing in its second weekend. It dropped 78% and only made $10.2 million domestically, uh, coming in at number four on the charts behind three of the uh, newcomers. Um, just to give you a slightly bigger picture here, uh, the movie has now made $161.3 million worldwide, including a downright lousy $65 million domestic. Um it is going to be lucky to clear $100 million domestic. Uh, most people are kind of looking at 90 to $95 million at this point before its, its run is over. Mm-hmm. Uh, be, it'll be a miracle if it sees $300 million worldwide, an absolute miracle. And again, just to reiterate, this movie has a budget of anywhere between $220 and $250 million. Now, I am aware of the strikes getting in the way of a press tour. I am aware of a great many issues here. Uh, you could point to marketing, point to anything, but... To move the needle as much as you would need to move the needle to make this movie a success, uh, none of those factors seem to be accountable enough to me. This is just a sign of something bigger. Yeah, and it doesn't, unfortunately, it does not seem that this is going to be Disney's second elemental of the year in that, you know, they release the movie that does not open very well at all and then somehow miraculously kind of like legs out in a way that nobody saw coming. It seems like, especially given the i mean you mentioned the, the crowded weekend that we just had but we also have a somewhat crowded um i guess like holiday season coming up at the box office as well uh it just seems like you know i, I don't like uh saying this but it kind of seems like the marvels is essentially dead in the water right like there's no way that this movie is gonna is gonna do anything no no um, it's dead in the water let's no 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 let's be very clear this is the biggest drop ever for a superhero movie in its second weekend ever Worse yeah, than like Morbius. Worse than Morbius. Yeah, wow. Worse than Morbius. <laughs> worse than the Suicide Squad, which opened like at the height of the pandemic. Worse than Dark Phoenix. Worse than movies that are like, like let's be clear, like Morbius absolutely killed any chance of that becoming a franchise. And that movie only had a seventy-five million dollar budget. Uh, mm-hmm. Dark Phoenix, uh, absolutely. Like, I mean, it was the end of Fox's X Men anyway. But like, if there was any chance of Disney continuing that, it ended there. Um, uh, the Flash earlier this year, which essentially <laughs> cemented that the DCEU is going to move on and like will be put to pasture like that. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about like results that like essentially like killed things like, like bad, bad, bad stuff here. So uh, look, I mean, I don't, I'm not trying to pick on anything, but like the, the, the this is uh, Disney can't suffer flops like this. Like, you no studio can you, you can, you know uh, what you're 34 movies in. Yeah. Not everyone's going to hit, but like, when you're spending that much money on a movie, you cannot have this happen more than a couple of times. You yeah. Know, I like mean, unless you, you're, unless you're Apple or whatever, like we talked about with um, killers of the flower moon, where like the, the entire calculus is so different because that's essentially to drive viewers to Apple TV plus and all that our subscribers and stuff like that. And this is like, yeah. you know, this, the Marvels might do 
gangbusters when it hits Disney Plus. Um, but that's not that's not really going to save them in terms of, uh, you know, the financial situation, which is like, no. And and it does seem like a situation I'm betting anything that when we hear those Disney plus numbers, they're going to be massive, but it was because a ton of people were probably like, screw it. I'll wait for it on Disney plus, which is part of the problem for Marvel looking forward is that Disney plus is there and people know that now. So yeah. in your post end game, MCU, you have the opportunity to wait and you know that it will be there. Um, yeah. so yeah, that's that. It's it's bad, and I, I and and I think that the situation for Marvel Studios is dire. Uh, yeah. I, I am willing to sound the panic button. I know some people are like, "Oh, it's too early." No, I I, I think it's time to. <laughs> I think it's time to panic. Yeah, I mean, they're certainly in crisis mode. I think for me, the you know, if you're trying to look at this from a perspective of like, how can Marvel pull out of this nosedive or whatever, um, you know, I guess. One thing I think about is like these decisions, the decision to make and release the Marvels was made years ago, right? And Bob Iger has come out and said earlier this year, he's basically acknowledged the problems behind the scenes at Marvel and said, okay, we have to slow things down a little bit. We're, we're um, diluting the, uh, the brand essentially. So, you know, decisions are being made behind the scenes. It's just a, a big ship. It takes a long time to steer a ship as big as, as this one into a different direction. So yeah, absolutely. Um, but, but the question is, can it hold on long enough? Cause the biggest, the biggest asset to Marvel for so long was the continuity and the idea that you could green light three movies a year based on this, the presumed success. And now mm -hmm. you have, four or five movies that are either some version of filmed, mostly filmed or like in pre-production as well as several shows that are about half finished. Like, can you get through that entire slate and, and steer the ship beyond that well enough? Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, that's my question is like, cause if let's say I'm not, I think you've probably got a couple of movies in that slate that will do well, but let's assume that, you're on the lower end of good and then some might flop as well. Like can mm -hmm. Disney really weather that well enough to be like, cool. Now we get to secret wars. I, I'm just starting to wonder how much of this they can handle. And um, I'm, you know, I'm not saying they're going to like kill the MCU, but something dramatic is going to have to happen. That's what I think. But you know, yeah, I would, I would love to know like what they, what their options are really, because killing the MCU is, is the most extreme um, uh, path that you could take. And I don't, I, I wonder what it would take for them to actually have to do that. You know, I think well, it's I, much more than just the Marvels performing poorly. Um, and like you said, you know, maybe if a couple of these other movies start like the the downward trend could continue but like yeah like you said how far does that have to go for them to be able to push that button yeah well i think that you have to start looking at like the slightly larger picker picture and that like you know ant-man and the wasp quantumania started out with the highest but by far the biggest opening weekend for an ant-man movie and then ended up by the end of its theatrical run the lowest grossing ant-man movie overall um you had movies 10 years ago like thor the dark world that were like, let's not pretend that Marvel's never put out a bad movie here, like, or an average movie. And that movie sailed to like $680 million worldwide or something along those lines. Like, so we're well beyond that. And then you have to look at like, you know, Secret Invasion, the finale potentially being, I think it's still like the worst reviewed Marvel thing ever, even outside of the MCU. Like mm -hmm. this stuff is starting to wait. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is their only unquestioned success this year. And that was ending a trilogy. James Gunn is moving to DC now full time. He will not be there for Marvel. This version of 
the Guardians is over. They're not doing another movie with those Guardians. So, like, mm-hmm. yes, the one success they had was good, but it was ending a thing, not starting a thing. They can't go back to that. Yeah. So, I, I you know, that's where I start to look and wonder, because I'm with you. I don't know what the option is, but I think the only two things I come back to is you have to start making these movies cheaper, like, full stop, and you mm-hmm. probably have to start making fewer of them. Yeah. Like, I don't yeah. think that you can do three a year anymore. But, you know, we'll see yeah. how it goes. Uh, so in good news, Ryan, um, the 2023 box office has already surpassed the entire total for 2022. And we, like I said, still have like a, a potentially healthy um, sort of uh, holiday movie season ahead of us. So um, that's good. I mean, it must have been driven in huge part by the success of the Super Mario Brothers movie and Barbenheimer, right? Um Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, that, it's not all completely bleak uh, in, in terms of box office stuff. Um, I guess <laughs> I say that as we transition to our next story, which is there is another box office bomb that we should talk about, which is Taika Waititi's next goal wins. Um, do you have the numbers in front of you for how that one performed at the during its opening weekend? Yeah, just to circle back to your previous thing, just real quick to give people some some just very brief context. As of this most recent weekend, um, the 2023 total domestic box office is 7.92 billion and last year's total was uh, 7.36 billion. So, you know, we're already well over that number. We're looking to finish 9 billion or more for the year. So that's great. That's, you know, that's, that's consistent increase. That's growth. That's good. That's, uh, it's still, you know, going to be the smallest, like, uh, the last time we were under 10 billion before the pandemic was 2008. So we still got a way to go, but Good news. Yeah. Now, and, and then also, um, you know, just in time for the studios to have cleared a lot of the stuff off of the 2024 yeah. calendar. So that's not. Yeah. Ideal. So we're going to have a dip again next year. There's no way around it. Like barring an absolute miracle, like next, the first half of next year is so barren that like we're probably going to go under that, you know, probably closer to 2021 or 2022 again. But, you know, um, eh. It, I'm I'm it, banking Ryan on uh, the Jason Statham movie The Beekeeper opening to like 1.6 bill. So I, I, I you you joke. I am so unbelievably excited for that movie. No, if you have I, not I really watched the too. if you have not watched the trailer for Jason Statham's upcoming movie The Beekeeper yet, please go watch that right now. Um, Very fun. But yeah. So anyway, so to your point, so we had four movies open uh, over the the, the pre Thanksgiving frame here. Uh, Taika Waititi's long-delayed next goal wins. This movie, I think, was finished for over a year. Um, and the reviews have not been super kind to it. Disney kind of just held on to it. It's through Searchlight Pictures. Uh, it opened to just $2.5 million in uh, over 2,200 theaters. Um, I mean... Yikes, that's got to be like one of the worst... I, I don't know those numbers off the top of my head, but that's got to be one of the worst per-screen averages in a little while, right? Not not as bad as you would think, because we've had some really bad per-screen averages uh, this year, um, you know, like on opening weekends. Like, I, I I don't have the numbers in front of me. It's not the... But, okay. but for, for a movie from a guy like Taika Waititi, who has made some, you know, Oscar winner, big movies, Michael Fassbender, like, there's a lot of things here that you would think, like, you know, yeah, this would, this would do it, but... Mm-hmm. Um, it just didn't. Uh, the, the, now, luckily, what I've seen is that the budget was only like ten million dollars. I so think, like yeah, I've, I've seen like maybe fourteen or something like that. Um, so, but I thought know. my presumption was that it was going to be more expensive than that. But like, okay. I, I was really relieved to see that because I think that if it can even sort of like limp to like you know ten million worldwide or something, like 
then you you know you get your VOD money and you can kind of call it a wash, but it's certainly not going to be a hit. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's kind of like super disappointing. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, as I talked about on a recent water cooler, I just I saw this movie and did not think it was very good at all. Um, I, I talked about how I did not care for this film. But one of the things that I forgot to mention, one of the reasons why I really didn't connect with it is because the movie uh, is about the American Samoa um, football slash soccer team and Michael Fassbender's character playing this sort of washed up coach who has to come in and try to save the team, essentially like uh, help them perform on the world stage and score a goal for the first time. And uh, the movie forgets to define its team characters. And that's kind of like one of the best parts about a sports movie is like, if you think of, any given Sunday or remember the Titans or the mighty ducks or any of the sort of like beloved sports movies out there spending time with the team and actually getting to know the players and their dynamics and stuff like that is, is like a huge part of these movies. And this film just like completely does not do that at all. Like I I could not tell you more than maybe one character's name on the entire team, let alone anything that, you know, defines them or uh, in terms of like their personality or interests or, uh, really anything like that. So it, it, it just, uh, yeah, I, I was not a fan of that film and I forgot to, to point that out, which is like a huge reason. So, uh, anyway, um, and it seems like people are not really connecting with it or, or maybe just didn't even know that it existed or something. I'm not sure if it had like the most robust marketing campaign. I don't anyway. think it did. And I think that had to do with like the early reception to it wasn't very great. And like, I think Disney kind of knew it wasn't going to be, which is why they held on to it for so long. Mm-hmm. So I think this was kind of a situation of a studio sort of dumping a movie that okay, that's so like, I- you know, that that's my guess. I wouldn't yeah. necessarily accuse them of that, but that seems to be the case. Yeah. So tell me about the Hunger Games movie. We talked about that a lot uh, this past week on the podcast. You mentioned it a couple times. We did a ranking of the Hunger Games films. How did The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes fare in its opening weekend? Uh, so yeah, so as mentioned, this was uh, Next Goal Wins was one of four movies to open this weekend. And I guess we can just kind of use this as an excuse to talk about the top three this weekend. So the other three movies that opened were The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, Trolls Band Together, and Thanksgiving, which was the uh, slasher flick uh, for me, Eli Roth, that is uh, based on that fake trailer he did for Grindhouse. Uh, so uh, Hunger Games topped the box office with $44 million. Uh, that was on the low end of industry projections heading into the weekend. Is by far the lowest opening weekend for a Hunger Games movie. Uh, 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 the last one... Um, not breaking dawn. Oh, uh, I'm mixing up the twelve. Mo- Mocking Jay part. Mocking Jay part two opened to 106 million. So we're talking pretty distant here. Um, it opened uh, to- total was 98.5 million worldwide. Um, so, but the movie only carries a hundred million dollar production budget. And I say only. Yes, that's big. But for a big, as we've talked about, a ridiculous amount as of late is that for blockbuster movies lately, anything a hundred million or less is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we're talking about a franchise that has a big global fan base. There's going to be merchandise tie-in. There's going to be other stuff here. So if you essentially match your production budget worldwide opening weekend, that's not bad. Is it <laughs> what Lionsgate was hoping for? Absolutely not. Uh, so I, my my suspicion is that they were probably hoping to kickstart another trilogy or something. Um, that's not going to happen. This movie will probably do okay in theaters. It will make the money it needs to make to be a relative hit for Lionsgate. Even if it doesn't profit theatrically, it'll make enough to make it profit on VOD, uh, international sales rights, DVD, all that stuff. So it will make some money, but it won't be like the big reignition of this franchise that I think Lionsgate maybe hoped it would be. Um, really? So you're thinking there's there's no chance that there's going to be a sequel to this? 
I'm not saying no chance because again, like this is a situation where like the audience score for this one's really good, even if the critics is a bit mixed. But so who I don't know. This one is one that me to me could leg out over the holidays. Like there's another crowded weekend next weekend. Uh, I expect Trolls Band Together will be the one that holds better out of all these movies, but mm-hmm. um, it could leg out. This is one that I'm not ready to like declare right off the bat, but I would say based on these early numbers, I could pretty safely guess that it would be a little tough to justify a sequel because okay. your your odds of like another prequel sequel doing, you know, it'd probably be a little more expensive. And then you're taking that gamble of like, are more people going to come because they caught up with this one at home or are less people going to come? Mm-hmm. And then that becomes a risky gamble. So um, it did okay. It, it's good enough. It's good. It's a good thing for theaters. It's a good thing for Lionsgate, relatively speaking. It's just not like a great thing. Sometimes it's yeah. okay for something to just do okay. And that's what this. Yeah. That's what happened here. And then uh, real quick, how about Trolls? How did that perform? Trolls did well. Uh, let's not forget that uh, Trolls World Tour is weirdly the movie that changed the movie industry forever. Uh, <laughs> in uh, 2020, Trolls World Tour was the first movie that went to premium VOD. Um, it, it was supposed to go to theater. It did get a theatrical rollout, but it was a COVID, so it you know it it did what it did. But that that was the movie that sort of opened the floodgates and and changed the industry as we know it. So what's interesting is that it made 30.6 million domestic, which was kind of at the like higher end of, of projections. And it also was already made like 75 million internationally because it rolled out earlier. So it's doing very well. And we're essentially talking about a theatrically released sequel to a movie that was ostensibly a direct to, to streaming release. Um, so it, it kind of demonstrates to me that like, yeah, theatrical is still probably the way to go, even under those circumstances. Like success will breed success theatrically. Like, so this movie will make what it makes in theaters, and then we'll probably do very well on PVOD, and we'll do well on Peacock, and so you know, it's good, very good start for this movie, a good family friendly movie that can leg out over the holidays. Cool. All right. Uh, oh, um, Thanksgiving. You want to talk about that real quick? Yeah, real quick. Uh, Eli Roth's best reviewed movie ever by a pretty significant margin. Uh, $10.3 million just barely edged out the Marvels. Uh, I've seen the production budget paid at about $15 million. So this one's going to be kind of a home run for Sony and another example of uh, horror stays winning. Um, not a lot to say there, but even if it you know, drops off in the next couple of weeks, it's going to do just fine very goofy movie i don't know if you had a chance to see it i uh, did uh, i did uh it's very it, uh, but but then once it gets going like i think once you settle into it i don't want to spoil anything but the third act is a lot more fun uh yeah. and and uh patrick dempsey is the mvp of that movie i don't have much i don't want to say much more there but patrick dempsey was shockingly fun in that movie yeah yeah good stuff okay uh let's take a break and then we'll come back and talk about uh what we can expect from the coming uh weekend or or maybe the coming weeks ahead when it comes to box office say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill Okay, Brian. So we have um, Ridley Scott's Napoleon coming out and also Disney's Wish. Uh, these are like being pegged as, as two of the big Thanksgiving releases this week uh, or this year, I should say. Um, what do you think about these movies? How, how are they looking in your estimation? 
Have you seen Napoleon yet? I have not. Okay, all right. So I guess we'll, let's not talk about... Uh, the Opinions have been varied. I, I fell on the hell yeah Ridley Scott train. Um, that was sort <laughs> of my, uh, my takeaway. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, these are both going to come out midweek this week to sort of uh, get in on the thanksgiving holiday like that's how this stuff goes uh you know like you 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 want to capitalize on people going to go into the theater so um mm-hmm. you want to start with napoleon or you want to start with wish they're kind of going to cross over here but uh what do you want to what yeah, do you let's start with first let's start with napoleon i the reason that i haven't seen it well i haven't really been offered a a screener or anything like that i haven't had the opportunity to attend a, a screening in an area near me um but i'm i'm like kind of I'm a Ridley Scott fan, but I'm kind of um, wondering if I should hold off on this because I've seen a lot of discussion about how it is a movie that feels incomplete. And he has talked about how there's like a four hour director's cut that he wants to release. And Ridley Scott is kind of famous for his director's cuts. I mean, Kingdom of Heaven is like the, the prime example of that, I think. I mean, well, I guess Blade Runner might be the prime example of that, considering how much he's tinkered with that movie and how many different releases there have been. But um, I was just kind of wondering, like, ah, should I see the theatrical cut and then essentially watch a, a four-hour version that contains the theatrical cut later on? Like, am I willing to to go that hard for for a Napoleon story? Um, am I that interested in the subject matter? I wonder if a lot of people are going to have that that same uh, mentality and outlook on this. But um, but yeah, tell me tell me what you think about uh, Napoleon's prospects here. Yeah, so this is we talked a lot about Killers of the Flower Moon the past couple of weeks. This is almost an identical situation. It is being released by Apple. Sony Pictures is distributing uh, worldwide. They will get a you know dis- distribution fee from Apple. Expensive movie. Uh, the budget was originally pegged around 130 million, but I've seen some people say it's closer to 200 million. Uh, Ridley Scott tends to be pretty thrifty. Relatively speaking, he's had a few get away from him over the years, so I I would tend to believe it's closer to 130, but I don't know. Uh, mm. All of this to say we can't apply standard box office metrics to this because Apple's not expecting it to profit in theaters. That having been said, it's looking at about a $24 million debut uh, across the full five-day stretch from Wednesday to Sunday. Uh, it is uh, Box Office Pro is a little bit more um, bullish on it. Uh, with the top end being at about 32 million. So let's say anywhere between 24 and 32 million. Uh, mm-hmm. Look, I would consider that a win for the situation because um, that's just domestic. You know, it's going to get a worldwide release. Uh, it's Joaquin Phoenix. It's Ridley Scott. I think people are going to want to see this thing. I think if the audience score is better than like the critic score, then that could help, you know, with the weeks to come. Again, I think if we're looking at like a movie that can maybe match its production budget, in ticket sales, Apple will probably call that a win. Yeah. No hard and fast math on this thing, but that's kind of the the best guess I would say there. So uh, okay. it's looking okay. I think it's looking probably like what Apple was expecting or hoping it would do. That's my best guess. Okay. And then how about Wish? Yeah. So Wish is going to be the winner. Uh, Wish is currently tracking at around $50 million uh, across the five day. Um, uh, through that's like a, through official tracking, but again, box office pro is a little bit more optimistic, uh, saying it could go, um, as high as 86 million over the full five day. Now, admittedly that projection was before reviews dropped and reviews have been very mixed for this one. Uh, but again, audience reception, I think for a animated Disney, uh, family friendly movie could push 
the needle a little more than critics here. So who knows? But that's actually really good because it's going to be the best opening for an original animated movie since Coco uh, in 2017. Wow. And uh, it's going to make up for Disney Animation's recent blunders, uh, most notably Strange World last year, which is one of the biggest box office bombs of recent memory. Uh, it only made $73 million worldwide. I like I like that movie. Did you see Strange World? I don't remember. I did. I liked it too. I, I, it it was a really unfortunate situation. That one, I don't know that it was ever going to make what they needed it to make, but like, my God, that movie got that just absolute. But so I think the point being is that it's nice to see a Disney animation movie, uh, Walt Disney animation studios movie, you know, looking somewhat robust as in 2021, Mm -hmm. you had Encanto, of course, but that movie did okay in theaters relative to the time. Then it was a gargantuan hit on Disney plus. Uh, and, and yep. so, you know, we'll see, but, um, yeah, so I think that that's going to be the clear winner over the Thanksgiving frame, but then, you know, you got to look at legs. How does it do blah, 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 the usual yeah. stuff here, but, uh, it's shaping up to be a very crowded Thanksgiving weekend with all these movies we just talked about being in their second weekends, these movies opening going to be crowded. Yeah. And then uh dream scenario, I think also is like either coming out in wide release or like slowly rolling out it's expanding wider. yeah that's been in limited release the past couple of weeks and uh that's the new Nicolas cage movie if you don't know what we're talking about again reviews mm-hmm. through the roof for that movie um i'm hoping that sort of drives that one to do well but yeah okay so um what are you going to be doing for thanksgiving in terms of movie watching ryan anything or are you you've already seen napoleon so i guess that would that potentially would have been the thing that you would have seen, but you've already crossed that one off your list. So are you going to go see wish or you, what's your, uh, what's your thing? Uh, you know, I'm just not, I'm just not the biggest musical guy. And I think like wish falls into that. Like there are certain Disney animated musicals where I can sort of be like, Oh yeah, that makes sense for me. I would, I would maybe go um, delve into that. But that one seems a little bit like maybe not for me. I'll tell you what I'm trying to do. As I haven't had time, but I want to watch The Killer, which is the new Michael Fassbender, David Fincher movie on ne- that dropped on Netflix recently. And I yeah. didn't have a chance to see that in theaters, so I'd very much like to catch up with that. that that'll that probably be my Thanksgiving holiday watch. Uh, what about you, awesome. man? Um, yeah, I don't know. I I, I have a AMC A-list, and I'm just trying to like use, use it as much as possible to get as much of my money's worth out of it as I can, because I was kind of like a little lazier earlier in this year, and like I probably should have gone out and got a little bit more use out of that and seen some things that, that I ended up just like skipping altogether. So now like, as we sort of plunge toward the end of the year, I'm like, all right, I'm taking full advantage of the thing. I'm going to go see like pretty much everything I can. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, the Napoleon thing is, is tough for me. Cause I'm like, man, do I really want to sit through? A, you know, how do you, how do two- you feel about Ridley Scott? Where does he sit for you as a director? Um, God, I mean, he's like this, this towering figure in Hollywood history. I mean, he's directed so many movies that have, that, that stand, that loom so large in the, the, um, cultural zeitgeist and all of that. And that are just like straight up legendary, but like, I kind of don't really consider him to be one of my, one of my guys, one of my favorite filmmakers or anything. Like when it comes, when he releases a new movie, I'm always interested just because he has such a wide variety of things that he seems to be interested in as a director. So I'm, I'm like always intrigued, but I'm, there's not that built in level of excitement because he's released so much stuff. And a lot of them have been bad, frankly. So, uh, you know, it's not like, uh, Oh, he waits five years between movies and then everything he releases is a master work or something. He's just like, like almost like Clint Eastwood, one of those guys who's just like cranking stuff out, just, you know, uh, it's almost like he 
he, he's been um, implanted by the, the bomb from speed or something. If he stops making movies, he's going to blow up. Yeah. Or so, yeah see, I feel differently. Cause like Ridley Scott's my boy. Like he's on, he's on my Mount Rushmore. Okay. So like, so for me, like, I'm like, I'm of the mind that like that, that I liked the cut that I saw. I'm not big on like a four hour movie. Like that's not really my, but I, but I, there's a chance I'll watch that yeah. uh, director's cut on Apple TV plus. But I was going to say, if you were as high on him as I will, I am, I would definitely recommend going to check it out. But I think, yeah, given your situation, yeah, that's a little, that's a bit of a pickle, Ben. I don't know what to Yeah, we'll see. I mean, you know, talk about first world problems. But, yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think that's going to do it for today's episode. You can find more about all the stories that we mentioned on today's show at SlashFilm.com and linked inside the show notes for this episode. SlashFilm Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please subscribe to our newsletter, send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailback topics to us at bpearson at slashfilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.